Hello, and welcome back to the All Into Account podcast. I'm Jason Hunter, head of technical strategy here at JP Morgan. Today is the 10th of January, and with 2024 just kicking off, I will use today's recording to highlight some of the more interesting technical setups and signals for, from our recent publications and ahead of tomorrow's important CPI report. Um, and think about how the various markets across the asset classes are set up technically. There's a lot of correlation, a lot of powerful trends in some cases, more powerful than we were expecting in the fourth quarter, um, but those all decelerated by the end of the year and for some from pretty extreme readings across sentiment, momentum uh, type readings and even positioning um, that point us to the, you know, the direction of mean reversion. That's the theme I think for January, we've seen some of it already, but we think you'll actually see some more. Furthermore, uh, some of those trend reversals can actually turn into something bigger. We're getting some low frequency trend signals that would fit with our year at outlook. So let's get right into it and start with the S&P 500. Uh, we're going to start here uh, with a daily chart and a quick programming note. This video and audio is recorded both for podcast and for video consumption. Uh, if you'd like to follow along on the slides, please go to JP Morgan Markets. It's not a must, um, but we think it's additive given you know how graphically intensive technical analysis is. Uh, but I'll do my best to illustrate this as we go through the narration. All right, so we'll start on the S&P 500 uh, and the daily chart. And you know, as I said, the rally in the fourth quarter certainly took me by surprise. You know, certainly you, you tend to see fourth quarter strength at the end of the year. It's a very seasonal pattern, especially given how oversold the markets were and the S&P's ability to hold what we've highlighted as a key threshold on the chart at 4,100, 4,200. Um, we thought it would be more of a grinding move up toward 4,400. So at first, we were surprised by the gappy move breakout from that 4,400 resistance area. And then the Fed poured some fuel on the fire uh, with the dovish commentary in the middle of December that actually allowed the S&P 500 to go all the way up and retest the cycle high at 4,800. Bigger picture, we still view it as a late cycle environment, even if our conviction heading into the year is put down a bit by the, the size of the rally. So we're certainly starting the year back on our heels with our medium term view, but on a high frequency basis, uh, the market did trigger momentum divergent sell signals as is indicated by the red arrows on the daily chart uh, that you can see here and in our publications. And as it rejected that old cycle high near 4,800. Furthermore, there's a confluence of other levels in that same area, channel resistance, a number of, of Fibonacci swing objectives, uh, pattern measured move objectives. So the 4,800 is an area we'd expect the market to congest anyway. Lastly, from a sentiment perspective, the scope of the rally we saw in the fourth quarter went a long way to push sentiment into overly bullish territory across a number of surveys. It's the most you know, oversold conditions we've seen, you know, by and large, since the start of the pandemic, you're getting you know, high into the upper end of that range. And overall, we're definitely in the upper end of the realized range for some of these sentiment measures. Put it all together, even if one's bullish and expecting the rally to progress, through 2024 into higher levels, that's a setup that will leave any technician looking for some consolidation here anyway. So tactically, where does a short-term bear start to gain teeth? We think that's below 46.75, give or take. That's the pattern neckline for this December, January short-term top pattern that's been forming. The first major support is in the 4,500 to 4,540 area, uh, moving averages, uh, Fibonacci retracement levels, um, pattern-based levels if you're looking at the higher frequency, uh, chart. Um, on a near-term basis, I would say that's that's kind of our base case of where the S&P will get down to as it back and fills in the early weeks of 2024. Bigger picture for the, the broader bearish picture to get firmly back on track. 
well, we need to see the S&P move back below that key 4,400 area. Um, that'll really start to shift the momentum to the downside, looking at CTA type strategies that you'll start to give the bears some downside momentum um, that they can carry with. Uh, until then, we're left waiting and seeing how this, this pattern sets up and whether or not we truly even get a short-term distribution pattern and further downside in the first quarter. But that's what the setup looks like anyway. Uh, moving on and, and to, to kind of show the statistical significance or at least tendencies of the post-signal performance, um, we've used this illustration uh, in the past uh, where we compare post-systematic signal outcomes looking at the forecast cone uh, for the volatility-adjusted S&P relative to the entry um, versus the one standard deviation forecast cone for random trade entry. Um, so you can see her on this chart. Now it is fairly involved. And for those on the podcast, you know, you know, it's, you know, not even there for you to see. So I'll do my best to talk you through it. Um, what you see is the price action ahead of the signal, um, the theoretical trade entry level, uh, which is the horizontal red line, um, where in theory you're short from whether with random trade entry at the end of December or following our systematic signal. The gray dashed cone, the one standard deviation cone, that represents random trade entry. So on any given day over the past, let's say, 20, 30 years, if you just got short the S&P, you know, what's your probability of making money? And to that end, we ask the question, what percentage of that one standard deviation cone is above and below the entry level? Um, in this case, when we look out over a 20-day period, uh, only 46% of that random cone is in the money over the course of that 20-day period. Naturally, an equity market that trades up and to the right more often than not over that test period, you'd expect you'd have you know, a, a lower than, than random probability of making money being short if you just randomly got short the equity market at a given point in time. That's exactly what that cone suggests. Now, we do the same exercise, volatility adjusted, and looking at the one standard deviation of average returns after the just the signal performance associated with momentum divergence, that's the dark line cone. And the amount of differentiation we can create here relative to the trade entry level, well, in our view, that's the amount of forecast value we feel our systematic signal brings to the table. The gray bars ghosted behind the price action, um, that's the differential between the two cones, random versus the signal forecast cone. Um, and you can see early on in after the trade signal within the first one to two weeks, the signal value falls from, you know, let's call it 13% differential down to 10 and eventually down to eight by the time you get into the third week. By the time you get into that fourth week, the, the cones really converge on each other. Um, and we would argue that, that the signal values, you know, eroded to nothing at that point in time from our perspective. So where we are now, like I said, the market saw an initial response to the signal. Um, you can see the markets trade, you know, I traded in the lower end of the post-signal performance cone. Even with the recent bounce, the market's below the initial trade entry for those late December shorts. Um, the forecast value should carry for another week or two, um, and we'll use that and post up against that for the short-term forecast. Now, I almost feel more importantly what that can turn into if it transpires, um, and as we look on to the next slide, um, and this is something we've talked about, uh, you know, recurring theme, this late cycle concept with the yield curve at or near inversion, for a number of months, you could look at the month count. The yield curve has been inverted, which is now fairly mature at over 20 months. Um, in this case, we asked the question, you know, is the S&P rally decelerating at a lower frequency? So let's say on a monthly or weekly uh, chart time frame, um, is it decelerating in the context of that curve that's either at 
or near inversion. Normally, when an equity rally decelerates at this low frequency, let's call it the monthly chart, um, and gives us monthly momentum diverging signals, that's not something we pay special attention to because past bull markets have been able to rally right through that. However, when those signals are generated in the context of an inverted yield curve or a yield curve that's near inversion, as you can see here, the red signals um, systematically identify that context, the mix of those two signals. Um, you can see by the gray boxed price action in the aftermath of the signals, you see a multi-month and even multi-quarter periods of bearish price action and corrective price action. Um, so it's still early days. We're not even halfway through January yet. Um, and we're not even sure if the momentum divergent signal is going to be confirmed. Um, but if it is, um, that would fit again with this late cycle environment. This signaling at this frequency doesn't say the, the bear market starts, you know, right away. As you can see, it took a little, you know, a few weeks to months before it kicked off last in the, the last uh, occasions that you see since the 1960s. But it does, again, go to this overall theme of late cycle environment and an equity market that's likely to struggle um, in at least the first half of 2024, in our view. So we'll move on from equities to fixed income. Um, and really, we've got the two-year note chart that we'll focus on for this, this recording. But you could really make the case for most points of the curve in DM bonds in general, of all the ones we cover anyway, you know, Boons, Gilts, JGBs, and, and Aussie 10s, uh, along with U.S. Treasuries. What we have here is the front end of the U.S. Treasury market. The setup's the same nonetheless. You've had a market that rallied in a fairly spectacular way in the fourth quarter. Um, we were bullish duration, long duration, curve steepeners, 10-year uh, tips break evens tighteners, um, all these long duration themes. Um, and the rally even you know, outperformed what, what we thought would unfold in the fourth quarter, you know, getting to levels that we thought would, would happen in the second quarter of 2024 that I would have imagined you would have needed weaker economic data to get the front end to reprice as aggressively as it has. Um, that said, uh, the two notes come to some key levels in the 420 to 435 area, Fibonacci retracement levels. That's where the market broke uh, cheaper in, in May when the economic data really started to heat up and surprise the upside uh, in the springtime of 2023. Um, that's a spot where we think you know front end will get sticky from a chart perspective. Number one, you've got the same momentum diversion sell signals that we already referenced on the equity chart. Number two, sentiment data has moved into not screaming overbought, but the most overbought it's been in quite a while. Um, and then lastly, when you look at the premium weighted per call ratios that we keep for Treasury futures, um, those stretched into overbought territory for the first time uh, since March of 2023 during the month of the bank failures and the sharp rallies uh, that unfolded with that. So really two sets of systematic sell signals for the Treasury market. Over the quarter, we've scaled out of our long duration. And at, you know, at the, in our last publication in mid-December, we suggested putting on a short duration trade uh, at the long end of the curve in the 30-year bond, thinking that we would see backing and filling into the early months of the year. The technical setups only reinforced that view and, and further bolstered it. Now you have what looks like a clear yield-based pattern on the two-year note with pattern support at 450. That's the neckline for what looks like a developing head and shoulders yield bottom. Um, from our perspective, you've already seen some backing and filling. In fact, we've already taken half profits on our short for the long end uh, in the long bond. Um, now that said, I do think there's another 20, 25 basis point of sell-off potential. And with the CPI report tomorrow, um, that obviously could be a big market mover given the current setup that we see um, in treasuries, not just at the front end, but across the curve and really in other DM markets 
as well. Furthermore, what we would add to this and something we've highlighted um, you know, through the fourth quarter, um, something we track is the total amount of easings priced into the forward indiscriminate of time when we look at the OIS market. And by the end of December, you had 233 basis points of eases priced into the forwards. Historically, and since the mid-1990s, when we have OIS data to analyze, uh, the market hasn't really been willing to put in more than 250 basis points of eases in the absence of initial jobless claims racing higher. And that certainly isn't something that we have today. So that fits with the idea that the front end is either at or near an inflection where you're likely carving out the lower end of the yield range for a little while, and you can set up a backup. If the backup unfolds, we do feel three, uh, 475 to 485 is probably a ceiling for yields. We do think this is the beginning of a broader bull market and expect the front end eventually to retrace down into the 350 area by the end of the year. But for now, tactically, um, we think the bias is to higher yields, which also, when we think about the way the cross-market correlations have worked, um, in theory, that puts the equity market under additional pressure as that backup unfolds. Moving on to foreign exchange markets, there's a lot of pairs that have some technical signaling of interest. Some are correlated, some aren't. For the most part, uh, the one we'll focus on is something that both is yield and risk on, risk off sensitive, uh, euro, US dollar. You could see that, again, a rally that extended further than we thought it would in the fourth quarter, but ultimately rejecting resistance levels in the 110 handles, triggering a confluence of systematic sell signals on our momentum divergence model. Um, with your already pressuring key support, um, where you've got channel support, the 38 to retrace of the fourth quarter rally, uh, a cluster of moving averages and CTA signals, all starting in the high 108 handles. Um, so we ultimately think that the market will break that in the, uh, the weeks ahead, even in the days ahead, potentially. Um, the next support is down in the low 107 handles, um, bigger picture. We've been of the view that Euro, US dollar is going to put broader range support down in the 104 and 105 handles under significant pressure and even break that, ultimately falling to targets between parity and 102. Now, naturally, the risk off tone around the globe is going to have to gain traction for that to happen, most likely. Um, we'll need to see that start to come together on the equity charts to really start to build confidence in that view again after the stronger than expected fourth quarter rally. But tactically, that seems to be the direction for now, so we certainly would play it in that direction. Again, what that could feed into is the lower frequency signaling and the more aggressive drop in Euro US dollar down to our ultimate targets for the middle of 2024. Lastly, uh, we'll end the video with copper futures and, and commodities. Um, not a whole lot of correlation. Copper futures have traded you know, risk on, risk off with, with equities for the most part um, you know, through many the last few quarters. You know, deviating from what we see is a completely different story in crude, which unfortunately we'll cover in this video. But importantly, copper also rejected key range resistance in the 400 area, um, triggering momentum divergence sell signals. Again, a recurring theme in this video where those fourth quarter rallies got exhausted and triggered that particular pattern recognition systematic signaling on our model. Um, copper is kind of leading the charge here, already breaking through moving average support, trend line support, the equivalent of what we saw on the euro US dollar chart above. And certainly, you know, with, with equities not quite coming under significant pressure just yet. Um, so ultimately, what we think is, is copper will make its way into the lower end of the broader trading range for the March uh, 2024 contract that's in the 350s and 360 handles. Um, we do think bigger picture, industrial metals, uh, currency pairs like Aussie US dollar, 
Um, they've front loaded a lot of the cyclical weakness through the year, underperformed other risky markets, um, you know, in line with weaker uh, manufacturing data, China and China linked equity indices under pressure over the whole period. We think a lot of that weakness may be front loaded. And if that's the case, you could see copper really start to stabilize in the lower end of that trading range near 350 um, as, let's say, DM equity markets come under pressure. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We need to see those bearish developments really unfold first to get there before we can start to look for relative performance. That is something we have in the back of our mind. Though. That's all we have for you today here at All Into Account. Thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to having you the next time. I've been Jason Hunter. Have a good day. This communication was recorded for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures.